Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Crider here for the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast. So glad you've joined me today as we learn all these principles on leadership, these small things that we can change in our lives as we lead people that can make a massive difference in the future in their lives, our lives, and those we serve. With me today is my good friend, Jimmy Nyman. Welcome. Yeah, it's good to be with you here today. Well, Jimmy, uh, for those who don't know you, obviously this is a global podcast. Those who don't know you, uh, you're from Levin County, Pennsylvania. Spent a lot of time in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, here in South Central Pennsylvania. Lived different places. And and uh, I want to talk to you today about things you've learned in life about leadership, starting way back in the day, and, you know, when you came to Christ. Give us a little of your story. I found that often there's a story behind the story. Sure. You know, there's you see God do these great things. I mean, you've pastored this church, September, you know, September six years, just started this church, already grown to 1,500 people, just a miracle of the grace of God in your life. And But I want to go way back. Let's start kind of in the beginning and talk about how you came to Christ and when did you sense this call to leadership? How did all that happen? So get started and we'll just have a great conversation. All right. Um so I'm originally from Texas. I uh, you're, you're, yeah, your accent gives you away a bit. You have a sometimes. little bit of a jet. Yeah, I've been here long enough. I, I've eradicated most of it. But if you go back to listen to old audio recordings yeah. of me when I first moved up, it's clearly there. Yeah, but I grew up. Uh, I, I I grew up in Texas. My grandfather was a World War II pilot, and because of the things he saw during the war, uh, was an atheist. My dad okay. was agnostic wow. because of that, because he didn't know whether sure. there was a God or not. Because sure. his dad definitely, and my dad's really. Uh, Always leaned to the nerdy, scientific. Sure. Uh, was, you know, became a computer programmer uh, when there was no computer science degree. I mean, you, wow. were, you were a math major and you got in, yeah. into that. Brilliant guy. It sounds he, he is. He's, yeah. an, he's an inventor of multiple patents under his name. Wow. So his, his mind kind of got in the way of him and the Lord. And I grew up in a fundamentally a non-Christian home. Okay. Uh, I lived in a place... For we had a little small season uh, before Dad, uh, if I could put it this way, struck it rich in one of his uh, particular uh, uh, things he wrote, sure, invention. Sure. We lived in a place called Rendon, Texas, and that's a small Texas town. It's what most people think of when right. they think of Texas, not the big cities like Dallas right, and, and, right, and Houston. Right. And uh, the, it was common back then for pastors to go door to door, knocking on doors, sure. wanting to just basically sure. preach to the families. And so this the Southern Baptist minister knocked on our door, and. Uh, you know, my mom trying to get rid of him said she knew um, the Lord, but she really didn't. And uh, I think she had some sure. Christian experience yeah. somewhere in her journey. And he said, would you mind if I talk to your boys? And so he's, she's like, sure. And so he tells us a story. I thought it was a story of uh, Laz- uh, uh, Lazarus, the rich man and Lazarus, the, right. the bear. Because the guy's southern accent was such, he was saying beggar, but it sounded like bear. And so my little, anyway, it was still good enough. He he uh, scared me with hell, and I said yes to Jesus. Wow! And uh, my brother and I were baptized, but we we weren't raised in a Christian home, and so right. from that point on, we just kind of went the way of the world as boys do. And I don't even know that my conversion experience was authentic. I, sure. I, I mostly tell people it wasn't. 
Um, but it was a start. That seed was planted. It then. definitely was. In yeah. fact, when you hear how I got converted, that guy comes. All that comes wow. back to mind. Wow. I ended up. Uh, I ended up uh, uh, with my. F- we you know we moved around because of my sure. dad's job. We moved around quite a bit, but uh, by by about. Uh, I was sexually abused when I was four years old. Didn't know the impact of that sure. and what that was going to do. It was, a, it was a one-time deal, but it kind of right. stuck. Right. And then uh, by the time I was about 14, like I, you know, kissed my first girlfriend. By the right. time I was 16, <laughs> was already sexually immoral. By the time yeah. I was, uh, golly, by the time I was 21, so many times over, I, I, yeah. I really lost count of all the, the, the relationships. And it was a, it was a, there was a brokenness inside me. On top of that, my parents divorced when I was around 16, 17, and that wrecks a kid's world. I, I, I mean, I, God bless all those who have gone through the trauma of divorce, but the, the impact of it, the ripple effect right. of it is significant. Right. And um, yet the Lord became the backdrop that was going to set me up to come to Christ. While I was in high school, I met a, a lady named Shelly, who, a girl named Shelly sure. in school, who was the first person I ever met that I thought actually lived the Christian life. Like she would challenge me on the way I would talk while being kind, like I would curse like a sailor before right, I was right, one. Right. And uh, she she just had the, the kindest ways to correct. And it just was very attractive yeah. to to Jesus Christ. And yeah. and uh, that was that began to set up the story. My mom gets saved while uh, when I'm 17 years old. Amazing. And, uh, and so she, she started hanging out with these Pentecostals, um, in, in Texas, I would go join then the United States Marine Corps when I was 18, go to boot camp. Right. And then I, I had a long period on reserve status while I was waiting to go to my, to a school in that time period, my mom took me to a place called Cowboy Church. Cowboy Church. Cowboy Church. Yeah. What was Cowboy Church? Cowboy Church. Cowboy Church was a Pentecostal church that met in. Uh, I want to say it was a, 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 a like a. So there's bars yeah. and there's cowboy bars. Okay. So a cowboy bar is like everything in Texas. It's big. Sure. Really big because yeah. they like these big uh, line dancing. Right. Uh, uh, you know, Cotton Eye Joe level uh, <laughs> dance things. They also had a goat roping arena off of wow. it. And to go to church, they set up a church in this bar. And you have to go past the mechanical bull Interesting. into the uh, goat roping arena, which had like hay all over the ground. They had all these seats and these guys, I mean, the biggest cowboys with the hats. They wore belt buckles as big as car <laughs> ornaments. You know, I mean, they were just huge. And, you know, they come up, hey, Jimmy, and a pop, hit me on the back, you know, and I'm about to knock the wind out of here. Right, you. right. And they get into worship and it's like, you know, do Lord, oh, do Lord, oh, do remember yeah, me. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm just totally... Uh, blown away by the whole, it was actually kind of a weird experience for me. Um, and uh, that got me, we'll talk about later about experiences and how it, how it got me thinking about experiences. Sure. But my mom's sincerity of her faith mm. and meeting a different kind of Christian, even though they were weird to me, I could tell they were genuine. Wow. And kind of just, these were all seeds getting planted. I ended up uh, at, stationed out in 29 Palms, California in the Marine Corps. I was going through school, uh, ground radio repair school. I was in communications. Sure. And um, we would go out. It was, a, it was a typical thing for us to go out on the weekends and go partying. And so we'd sure. take our paychecks and, and blow them on prodigal living and all right, that stuff. Right. And then uh, one night, but the holy, during this time, that, that thing that happened at eight years old, something was happening. I would now know it, say yeah. that the Holy Spirit was kind of hovering over mm. and convicting and mm. leading me, but I didn't know, I wouldn't have had language for that back then. 
And uh, but I was deeply disturbed by my life. Yeah. And no one was no one was getting in my face. No one was judging me. No one was. Fair, it was definitely an inner yeah. work inside of me. And so uh, one night I was out in uh, uh, Palm Springs doing the typical things we do, but I could not, I, I, I couldn't have it anymore. And so while we, we would rent a hotel room right. and then we just get crazy, yeah. I heard the other Marines in there just kind of partying, going wild. Right. I think they might've been having a headbutt contest in there. I don't even know. <laughs> I was out on the uh, patio and uh, was drinking a beer overlooking Palm Springs and was just like, there, there, there's, there's gotta be some more, something more to life than yeah. what I'm experiencing. Yeah. And I asked my, I didn't have a car out there at the time. I asked my room, uh, or a guy, a friend of mine to drive me back sure. to the base. He wasn't really having it. Thank God. And so we went back to the base. I was alone in my room. My mom had been putting a, uh, a living Bible, pre the new living translation. And we're going way back now. She put a living Bible in my sea bag, which is those big green yeah, bags yeah. that people carry. I used to I, love that living Bible, man. I love that. And I pull that out and I read, I decide for whatever reason, I'm going to read the book of revelation. Let me just tell you, wow. that's not the place to start <laughs> reading the Bible. But when I was reading things about people being tormented by for two months or whatever it is, by things with scorpion tails and whatever else, I was right. like, what in the world is going on here? And so I went to bed. I woke up the next morning really deeply thinking, pensively thinking about all these things. And I, I, I pulled out a cigarette. I began to smoke on my bed, on my rack, like I normally would. And I was sitting there thinking about the, when the Southern Baptist guy came, he said, yeah. when you believe in Jesus, you'll be born again. Yeah. And I began to think about being born again. And I was like, born again. Uh, if I was born again, that would indicate I would be something different than I am. Yeah. I am worse than I've ever been. Right. I hurt people. I hurt myself relationally. I was like, I was a guy who getting bar fights. I mean, I was yeah. that guy. And so I, um, I, I, I said, uh, I prayed a simple prayer while smoking a cigarette. It was like, God, uh, if, there, if there's just, if there's a, something that will make me born again, if I right. can have that, right. I, I want that, whatever that is. I want the reality of it, you know, basically. And put my cigarette sure. out and went about my day. God began to orchestrate the most amazing things. Christians began to like a Christian staff sergeant. So we are yeah. totally fraternizing at a sure. totally different level. He comes and knocks on my door. He hears me playing some Christian music that I just learned about. Right. Knocks on my door and uh, says, you know, is that the new DeGarbo and Key tape oh I hear? And I'm I remember like, that. Yeah, remember that's old school, isn't it? <laughs> Dating ourselves here. But, yeah, we are. but I said, uh, uh, yes, it is staff sergeant. I thought I was playing it too loud. I thought yeah. I was getting in trouble. Sure. Because usually when they show up, it's not good news. And uh, he looked around and he he said, "Man, come inside. And I'm like, you're not going to say no to this guy. Right. So I, I, he stepped inside, took his big Smokey the Bear hat right. cover off. Uh, and he, he sat down on my rack, on my bed. And he said, um, he said, look, uh, right now I'm not a staff sergeant. I'm not even the duty NCO right now, which means the guy yeah. in charge. Sure. He said, I'm your brother in Christ. And I feel like God wow. sent me here to, you know, basically encourage me and, wow. and preach to me. And I walked around that guy for hours around what he did his duty. He just talked to me about all things kingdom of God. And it was just feeding my he spirit. And God did this. God did this Amazing. over and over again with different people. I was a one-time deal. I don't even remember that guy's name. Really? I, it was a one-time deal. Then I had instructors in school. I found out were Christian and were, they would, it, it was just an amazing journey. I get back to, uh, uh, and, uh, to Texas, and I began to hang out in a Bible study with some with some men. My mom introduced me to some men. One man was really into prayer and revival. The other one yeah. knew the Word of God like like a living right. Bible. Right. Those two men were two friends who really planted the love of the Word and prayer okay. in my life. 
And uh, they would talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, things like that, sure. something I had not experienced. So after I was born again, I, I didn't really change much. I mean, my, my sinful habits were there. Right. It's, like, it's as if my conscience was born right. again, right. but I, the rest of me needed, like it all happened yeah. upstairs and nowhere yeah. else. So I would go out and sin and I would do the same stupid stuff, but the Holy Spirit would just be there banging a gong of, yeah. and, and it, it created massive grief inside my heart. So I was looking for power to change. Yeah. I didn't want to stay the same. And I learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit through these men. And I had uh, ended up, making a long story short, had an encounter uh, with the Holy Spirit in my apartment bedroom by myself uh, of biblical proportion, where I felt the power of God come on me. And I, Talk about I, that. And what, did, well, that so, so it started with, uh, um, so if, whether you like the guy or not, I had read uh, Benny Hinn's Good Morning right. Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then yeah. immediately after that, it was at the end of its kind of right. distribution life cycle mm-hmm. back then. And so then he wrote his next book, The Anointing. Right. So I had those kind of back to back. When I got to the anointing, I basically, first of all, he held out stories of, of what I see in the book of Acts, of biblical proportions. So you have right. to like him, just 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 like right. the testimony, understand exactly. that, hey, there's truth to what he was saying here. Yeah. And um, and so the, the one thing that you have an advantage you have as a Christian, as a, non, as a non-Christian becoming a Christian right. than those who are raised in the church, I had no filter or paradigm. Everybody right. told me to believe what was in the Word of God. So right. I actually did. did it, yeah. Yeah. So I was in my, uh, uh, I was in my, I've been reading this book and I was I'd been spending each day, I would wait up. He had this kind of way you approach God, sure. and, uh, you know, using the tabernacle, you know, outer courts, yeah. dealing with your sin, sure, sure. holy places, kind of your yeah. engagement with God. And then the holy of holies is the place of receiving. And so I just took that as a pattern of approaching God. My, my prayer times were deader than a doornail anyway. So I was, could sure. not wait to try something different. So I got at the edge of my bed one day in my apartment, I sat there and I, I began to do it. He's like, I began to confess my sins and I'm checking that sure, off. And then I even, sure. he said, you need to, you need to enter his gates with Thanksgiving and his courts of praise. And I, all I could think about was what they did at Cowboy Church. So I'm like, oh, man, oh I, no. I am not doing that. I am not doing the, you know, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do Lord. Oh, do. I'm like, I don't, I'm not, so I wasn't going to sing, but I thought, okay, I will praise the Lord. And it's like, I would be like, uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I was just right. checking, I was checking boxes, you know, uh, off the list. And I've taught this a lot when people hear about my testimony, because I think when it comes to approaching God, we, we get so concerned about doing it right. Correct. Instead of just doing it. Yeah. And believing that the Holy Spirit's big enough yeah. to uh, help us. And I, I always imagine when I'm sitting there going, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That God is on his throne in, in, this is totally imagination, but he's on his throne in heaven and Michael and Gabriel are up there. Right, right. Re- Revelation 4 is happening. Isaiah 6 right, is happening. Right. You know, you got seraphim and cherubim. They're doing flybys and they're screaming, <laughs> holy and worthy and glory. The posts of heaven are shaking. And so I'm, I'm a, now I imagine this and I'm sitting on the edge of my bed going glory to God. And I just imagine God re- calling Gabriel and Michael over. Gabe, Mike, come here. <laughs> check check him out. Right? Yeah, check him out. <laughs> And they're probably, and he, however God does that, opens up some portal into Arlington, right. Texas, into some little apartment in his omniscience and lets them see into that for a moment. And I can just imagine them looking into that and, and looking back at what's behind them and the worship of God and, and its glory. And like, there's nothing that we do here on earth right. that even remotely compares to what he experiences right. there. Exactly. It really is about heart. Yeah. And so I can just imagine, I was in my imagination is like, yeah, uh, so God, I can imagine Gabriel and Michael yeah. being so, uh, yes, uh, Yahweh, what what exactly is it right, you're seeing right, there? Right. 
you know, for the first time in his life, he's seeking me for me. Yeah. And that that was really what was happening. I was coming moving from a self-centered kind of pursuit of God. That's so good. To a a I wanted to discover God for God. Mm-hmm. And and so in that, I uh that was the beginnings of of that. And what happened at the end of that time, so I'm sitting there and I'm praising the Lord doing that, then I just waited on the Lord. That's what he said to do. And so I would sit there as I sat there um in this pursuit of wanting to discover. In fact, right. I remember one of the things that was in that 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 book that really moved me was the story in Exodus 33, where God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Yeah. I mean, that verse, honestly, if I was to take, if you could define a defining moment that changed your view about what a, what the human relationship yeah. with God is supposed to be like, it was that face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Yeah. And no one had taught me that was even remotely possible. Right Now my mom, my crazy mother who uh, got, you know, Say when I was 17, he's going to Pentecostal church. The one verse she kept putting before me, I didn't know where it was at for the longest time. Sure. But I think it's in Acts chapter 10 where Peter is talking to Cornelius's household. And he says, look, God's not really a respecter of persons. Yeah. Anyone who seeks him, right. you know, basically can. And I, I, I began to, anyone who seeks him can ultimately find him and, and encounter him and experience things of biblical proportion. I, I, I believe that to this day. I don't think it happens every day. I don't get how God controls the dynamics of that. But... I know there's almost always more available to all of us. And so that day I was going to find that. Yeah. Did you want to ask me a question? Yeah, I just want to know, tell me how you found that. What was that like? What was that experience like for you? You say you found that. Yeah, so so as I was sitting there doing the uh, walking through my method of seeking God, praise the Lord, I'm doing all that. The next step in the... in his uh, the, in the out of that book that was teaching me to approach God was to wait on the Lord, which for a, so I, by nature I'm a talker. Yeah. I, I I I access life. I love expressing ideas, uh, and I'm a verbal processor. So to sit with silence and meditate that is the opposite <laughs> of every bit of my wiring. But I was gonna I was so hungry for God I was willing to try anything. And so I sat at the edge of my bed and after I went through that process so that all that process probably was ten minutes. I mean sure. that wasn't that long. Sure. Confess sins was probably half of it. And then the other ten five minutes was me trying to figure out how to worship. Um at the end of that, uh I I began to was be get silent and wait on the Lord and just try to focus on God. And what happened in that moment is I mean, my my mind went everywhere. Anybody's ever tried to sit quiet before yep. God knows what I'm talking about. It, my mind was going everywhere. I could hear the air conditioner cutting on and off. I mean, I began to hear things I'd never heard before. Right. And I, at one point, I began to hear the pulse in my ears. I was sitting that quiet that long, and 10 minutes passed, and half an hour, and, and an hour, and, and about an hour and 15 minutes. I'm, my mind has kind of gone from trying to solve all the world's problems to just kind of calm. And in that calm state, I had this thought, like, maybe I need to ask God a question for him to speak to me. Maybe he doesn't just talk like I do. Like, I need to engage. <laughs> so I, I, it, the, the topic of the second book was called The Anointing, which right. was this idea of being empowered for ministry. And so yeah. I was like, God, why? Like, why would you anoint me? And I heard, I had a thought clear. I never had this happen to me before. I had a thought clear as a bell coming to my mind, Isaiah 61. Wow. And so I was like, Isaiah 61, that sounds like a book of the Bible. Like, I didn't even know the Bible. So I was like, wow. I only knew the basic Romans Road, John 3, right. 16. I, I was like, uh, okay. And so I looked to the front and I saw, found Isaiah and yep. went and looked it up, you know, and, and sure. it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the Lord's anointed me to yeah. preach good news to the poor. Amazing. Now imagine you're a 21 year old. Yeah. You're sitting there, you're asking God a very a question and you get a very clear answer. That was the first time that ever happened to me. Now I know all the theologians out there going, now it's talking about Christ or it's right. talking about this. Look, right. we're, we're called to follow Christ's ministry, right? So right. obviously it's a prophecy about Christ, but it was a way of God awakening my call to follow in his footsteps. 
And in fact, that passage became so important because it talks about uh, the people that the broken people that get ministered to becoming oaks of righteousness right. or trees Correct. of righteousness, Correct. the planting of the Lord that He may be glorified. If you look at Lifeway Church's logo, you'll see a right. tree. Yeah, you know, plant that's supposed to be a stream. Some people think it's a pathway, but anyway, whatever. Sure, it's this tree, and people wonder why. Why that? Why not a dove? Why not right, right. fire? Why not a cross sure. or or those things? And I'm like, those things are all means to becoming what God wants us to become. And I wanted to keep my mind on the end result of where he was headed, not the process. So you're seeing today some things you're involved in today. It goes back to when God encountered you at 21 years of age. Oh, yeah. Amazing, isn't it? And that's really important for, I think, future leaders to understand. Things God's dealing with them on today, revelations are getting today, isn't just for them. It's preparing them for all God has in the future to see, you know, many come to Christ and churches planted and, you know, kingdom businesses started and all those kind of things. Yeah, I've heard you, I've heard you refer to it as convergence. Yeah. When kind of all your life lessons, even yeah. the things you do, things that were... Right. Temporary assignments that you needed to do. It could be in the business world, family life, marriage, uh, uh, some ministry that wasn't going to be your ministry, but permanently. But ultimately, uh, the aha moment happens of the the awareness. This is what I was made for. Now, fast forward us. I mean, give us some of those key things along the way that prepared you to even think about planning a church. Well, I think so. If you wouldn't mind, let me just finish that last thought. Sure. The, the presence of what happened to me that day is uh, the, the love. When I sat there asking God, why would you talk to me? And that right, happened. Right. There was a presence that filled my room that mm. I had never experienced before. A Beautiful. tangible. I felt it on my skin, on Beautiful. my body. Uh, if you ask me what it felt like, it'd be like, it's kind of like, imagine, I used to tell people back in the days when we had TVs that had static electricity on them. Right, right. Take that, amp it up times 100. Wow. Fill it with the goodness of God, I began to, that would happen to me every day while I would seek the Lord. For 10 yeah. days, I sought the Lord like this. And what would happen is uh, my awareness of God got stronger, but also the awareness of my sin did too. Sure. And so the things that on day one I could commit in sin, be it cursing or whatever sure. else, by day nine, uh, I was deeply it. crushed by. Well, I could wow. do it, but then I'd be grieved at a level right. that I can't hardly explain yep. in words. And uh, just, uh, I'm kind of a messy, I mean, I, I, I said to you when we were off, off air at a certain point that, you know, um, I, I look at my life as the story of an ordinary guy that God's done extraordinary things with. Yeah. And by ordinary, I mean, not, not plain vanilla kind of human, but more like a quirky human Sure. who, who, and I say that because I think there's a lot of people who feel like God can't use them. So as I fast forward here in a second to sure. where, you, where we're going in this conversation, it really started there. It started with so me experiencing good. the goodness of God when, so when he owed me nothing, when I could give him nothing. Yeah. And it starts with him, his goodness. Exactly. And while God was teaching you this, you were experiencing God in a fresh way. Did you have any idea he called you to the kind of things you've been involved in today? Well, he, I, yes, kind of. What happened was, so I, I, I go to this Bible study 10 days later. And, sure. I, and, and uh, in that, remember, the Lord told me, I've called you to preach good news. Right. That's all it was at that moment. There was a night, it's about 10 days later, a lady named uh, Judy Helbing, well, won't help the audience, but she was a, a, like a, think like a, a, a mom in the neighborhood who had a bunch of teenage kids sure. coming to her house and she's trying to teach a Bible study. And she's not a good teacher at all. Right. But she lives the stuff. She's that kind of intercessor that walks around yeah. the neighborhood praying for her family, her and her friend. And right. her husband doesn't really walk with God strong. And so she wants her son too. And he's a teenager. And I'm a little older than the rest sure. of the kids there. So she's treating me like a leader, even though there's no reason to treat me like a leader at all. I got the worst <laughs> example. I'm still addicted to smoking. Sure. I've got all these issues. And um, 
But she, she, we had a Bible study one, at, at one night, and she says, I feel like the Lord wants to do something different here tonight. He really wants y'all to encounter him. Wow. And that was new language for me. Wow. And so she says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want, we're just going to ask... We're going to ask, ask God to forgive us of our sins and clear the air between us and God. Yeah. So we all bow our heads and whatever and ask God to forgive us of stuff, which uh, I had just made a, a, a significant moral failure during earlier that day. Right. Cried my guts out on my carpet about it before the Lord. So I actually felt pretty clean. It was an unusual right. event for me to right. come to, to the Bible study and feel like I'm in a right place with God. And while we were waiting there on the Lord, um, uh, someone had read the passage uh, from Mark 16. These signs will follow them right. that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They'll sure, heal the sick, speak sure. in new tongues, the whole thing. And and so we, I heard that, and, 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 and this other young lady heard that. So we're waiting on the Lord. I begin to feel that presence that I would feel in my apartment that I never felt out in public before, the presence of the Lord. Yes. And I was like, okay, I don't even know what to do. I didn't know how to respond. This is what I mean. My God just takes you where you're at. My worship was it's pathetic. So my my ministry, everything about me is Fairly pathetic, not prophetic, <laughs> pathetic. And so uh, Judy, Judy, and Judy ends the Bible study with nothing seemingly happening. So we do it. A lot of home groups. You guys, sure. Doug, you're the masters of small groups. You're getting fellowship. You're drinking coffee. Sure. We're doing all that stuff. People are connecting. And this girl named Christy comes over to Judy and says, Judy, I have ovarian cysts, and I want God to heal me. Christy just got saved the week before, literally the week before. She's like a 19-year-old. Uh, and she's she might have been younger than that, but maybe a seventeen year old. But she sure. she had ovarian cysts that her a gynecologist had told her that she had, and that she was going to have to have a certain kind of surgery that she didn't want to have. And she said, "I heard them say that that God they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That God will heal them. I, I would I would like that." So Judy calls everybody back together. She gets all excited. We all hear that. We go back into the room, and Judy's like. I had a, vi- Christy came to me and I had a vision of somebody being healed of that very thing today. Now she's wow. using language that I had never, like vision. Right, what right. do you mean? But I'm thinking, sure. I'm thinking IMAX, you know, right, she exactly. just had a picture in her mind, you know, <laughs> but she, so she's, as she's sitting down, Christy standing up next to her and the rest of us are sitting in a circle, holding our coffee, observing in interest. I mean, that's about, yes. we were young. We didn't know what we were doing. And she, she kind of closed her eyes to pray. She's about to, to pray something over Christy. And she looks back up and says, Jimmy, I think the Lord wants you to help me pray for her. I'm like, okay. I'm thinking, you know what I was honestly thinking? I pray for like 50 people to be healed. I've never seen anybody healed. That's what I was thinking. I, I, I stand up I stand up next to uh, Judy. Judy doesn't pray any long prayer. She puts two fingers on the girl's hips and right. says, because Judy was sitting down, she's standing right. up. So it's right, right about Judy's right. shoulder level. She says, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And it, it takes me longer to tell what happened than it actually happened because it was so fast and so rapid. My right. brain went to slow motion. Right. It, when she said that, Christy's pelvic region looked like a lump or something went through wow. it. You could see right through her body. Everybody, wow. all, if we were cartoon characters, right. our eyeballs all went telescopic. Like, <laughs> what did we just see? In that freaked out moment, it felt like the heavens opened up and like lightning struck me. I had, I've never felt anything like it uh, up to that time and only a few times since then. It felt like lightning. I mean, I felt uh, uh, overtaken with phenomenal power. I was scared out of my mind. Wow. And I was trembling from head to toe. And I heard now what I call the internal audible voice of God. It wasn't yes. audible, but it, it, it sure. was, was to me. I heard right. him say, touch her. And with clarity. And I, I haven't seen anything. I'm not, even though I read a Benny Hinn book, I never actually seen right, him do anything. Right, right. I, I stuck my hand out to touch her. I couldn't even touch her. I was probably eight inches from sure. her head. And I felt all that power discharge out of my side of my body, mm. not my hand, my body into her. She drops like a sack of bricks. I mean, like somebody gunned her down. Like, no, none of that stuff we see today where they fall right, like a slow, right, slow right, motion right. to the ground. I'm talking, it looked like shot, like boom, right. just dropped. 
And you could feel that power enter the room. We prayed for all kinds of stuff that night. And that was the beginning. I probably, I, it took me six months to realize I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Really? Oh, yeah, because I didn't know. I didn't, really amazing. didn't know. I, had to, I, was, I happened to be stumbling across it in the book of Acts and was like, oh, I think <gasps> that that's what happened that, to me. Right? Yeah, this was that. And so that, that began the journey. And I remember I left that night and I tell this part of the story and it really often makes people upset, but I, I, it's really important that they know this. Yeah, go ahead, please. I, le- I, le- I, I tell... I left that meeting that night. I went outside of Judy's house while everybody yeah. was finishing up, amazed. Um, the kind of stuff I wish I, I think you would have made up or, or something you would make yourself sure. sound cool. Like, I just experienced the Bible. Yeah. I experienced the real Jesus of the Bible. And I right. pulled out a cigarette. I took a drag off that thing. And I said, Lord, you are serious about this called to preach thing. Uh-huh. And then I looked at the cigarette and I said, oh, I guess these got to go. And like within, within six months, much deliverance would happen sure. through and I would get freedom sure. from, from multiple things. A lot of people don't like me to tail off the end of that story with that reality, but I'm like, but you need me to do that. Cause I have a yes. friend, I have a close friend who said, I've been a faithful Christian my whole life. God's done nothing like that through my life. Why would right. he do that for you when you didn't live for him or didn't right. even live right? And I was trying to, and I said, see, but that's your problem right there. Mm-hmm. I understand that God, God does it by grace. You right. think he owes you something. That's right. And so if you, it's really important that when we think about the people that God will use, and as a foundation of any kind of ministry, church planting, the kind right. of itinerant ministry, however, ministering to your next door neighbor right. over tea yes. uh, or coffee, it starts with a great God. Right, you know, and then people of a great God, but not great people, and and so I I, I wasn't a great person. God so was cute. just saying, just show up with a seeking heart. It was what was happening in that season. The, the takeaway principle is, yeah, most of us don't really seek God with all of our heart. Right. We we have we seek Him with all of our conditions. Uh-huh. All of our hearts a little different. I didn't have any. I didn't even know what I was going to get out of the deal. I just wanted to know God. <laughs> and if everyone would stop, if we stop saying, well, let's just believe that He's better in what He offers and what He will give than what we will give in our pursuit. So I just start out by pursuing. I just hungry for you. And then let him do the rest. Quit trying to compare to other people's stuff and who they are. Uh, I left here this morning. My wife knows interview things aren't, you know, sometimes I can get a little nervous. She says, just be yourself. I'm like, I don't know how to be anything else. <laughs> so uh, I, I wish everyone would just say, I don't know how to be anything else. Right. And I'm going to be the fearfully and wonderfully made and all my imperfections person that God made and let him take all that. And that's and why, use it for his glory. That's why God uses you, because you're willing to say, God, here I am. This is who I am. In the midst of all the junk, all the stuff in all of our lives, he, he just reaches in and changes us. It's the grace of God. It's not what we've done, what we haven't yeah. done. It's, it's all the grace of God. Now, you said at that time when you had that experience, you felt like there was this call of God in your life. So you sensed something back then, even though yep. in many ways you felt like your life was a mess uh, but you knew that God had, you had encountered Jesus. You encountered God. No doubt in my mind. And you know, look, looking back now, you have some language for it. In that case, you were filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, didn't even have the language. And you know, that's Saul of Tarsus kinds of stuff. You know, he didn't have language for any of this stuff either. Really. And that's what that's all, it's all about. And God loves to use, you know, you, you know, well, Acts so clear, loves to use common, ordinary people to fulfill his purposes. That's why people around the early disciples, apostles, said, well, we just know these guys are common ordinary men, but they've been with Jesus. They've encountered yes. Jesus. Yep. And that's what, that's what you've seen. Now, you use the word convergence. 
And so, you know, obviously those kinds of things and many other things God did in your life. Share a few more of the things that God did to prepare you. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, we, we, have, we have time. We can, you know, I can get you back for another podcast and this is not sure. an issue. I love your story. Sure, it's sure, going to help sure. a lot of people. Tell me a bit more about what happened next in your process because people think, well, somebody went to Bible college or whatever and came back and then they planted a church that grew to 1,500 people. Uh, like, you know, this is not your story. And really, they're really wrong about that. There's always a story behind the story. And that's what we're getting at today, Jimmy. Yeah. You're sharing the stories behind the stories. And that's what gives hope. It gives all of us hope when we hear the stories behind the stories. So talk a bit more about some of the encounters, things God did, prepared you in your life. Now, you were, Obviously, you were in Texas for a while, then you moved to other places. Tell me more. Yeah, so... so so that week after, yeah. So that night to the week after, like I didn't even know why people fell over. Yeah. I'd be like in my room praying, doing my daily time with God. This time I was standing at the edge of my bed in the dark yeah. in my apartment by myself, yeah. and my yeah. whole young adult world was changing. Sure. Uh, there was a point where I gave up all my stuff. I literally lived on a floor. I just was trying to do the Jesus thing. Right. I did all kinds of different things, um, but I think I, uh, those things are ra- real, actually not real important. What was what began. Let me let me sum up a very long journey into something really short that'll, that'll maybe help people. We make it so much about what we offer God, yeah, instead of what right. His His calling and purpose and all right. that according That's to His right. purpose in us. I would try to do things to get His favor and whatever. And I remember one day the Lord, I'm sitting in prayer and I'm saying, so what? But specifically, what am I called to? I just ran across the fivefold ministry in the Bible, okay, apostles, prophets, right? And I'm like, Lord, what have you called me to? I hear the Lord say, You're called to be an apostle. I was like, wait a second, that didn't make sense to me because right. I thought an apostle was the 12 disciples. Right. So how can I be? It was my or brain. maybe Paul, you know, right? No, I, well, I didn't even, I <laughs> didn't, didn't have that think yet. that all through. <laughs> I, my, connect, my, my logical connect the dots was pretty weak. Uh, I, I was like an infant. Like the, right. the infant's brain works. That's the way my brain was working in my mind, even though I was 21. And um, uh, so I didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. And so I sat on that, not understanding what any of that means. Sure. And... Um, and so uh, all these different things would go. Then down the road, though, so I, may, I meet a lady named Lydia Butterfield who becomes Lydia Nyman. And uh, actually, she had been in your youth group at some yeah, point. Way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. so it's a crazy, that's a crazy story how we met. And that's a, it's a own fun journey. Uh, we can talk about dating or something sometime in relationships sure. and we can go there. But I, I, uh, I meet Lydia and Lydia's dad was, in my mind, was a prophet. I've never sure. met anybody that walked in what we call the word of knowledge. Like you pray something, he hears from God. He, he would tell me the things I prayed yeah. and then tell me God's answer to that. You ask God <laughs> this, God says this. That's how I met Lydia's dad. Wow. But he was also one of the ones to really help me wrap my mind around fivefold ministry, probably okay. better than just about anybody still to this day that I've ever heard communicate those things. And, and uh, so I didn't know how to actually... Um, uh, uh, begin to go about all that, but, but then God would send other people. So then Lydia would doubt it. She'd look at me. She's, she'd know what God was doing. I was like, uh, I see the, I always took, <laughs> one time we had a, uh, a lady get online and say, well, it was a kind of funny moment sure. on, when, in the early days of Facebook, uh, a, a guy named, uh, in our ministry, a guy named Andre was, got to hang. He was a young adult at the time. He was so right. happy to have hung out with Jimmy Nyman. Now, Jimmy Nyman doesn't think much of Jimmy Nyman. So Andre <laughs> thinking, I got to hang out with Jimmy Nyman. Like that was a big deal. This other girl, because I was at Gateway at the time, yeah. and this girl pops on there and says, I hope someday to marry someone like Jimmy Nyman. Oh my. <laughs> so I showed my wife that just for fun. Hey, baby, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still a hot item out there. We laugh. And Lydia made a powerful statement, and which I put back on Facebook. Lydia said, yeah. Uh, she said, uh, 
She said she doesn't get the Jimmy Nyman that she sees now. She gets the Jimmy Nyman that I married when we started out. Who's <laughs> <laughs> become the guy he is today? Right. And it's a diamond in the rough principle, right? right? So exactly. So I uh, that journey, God would send prophets out of the woodwork when Lydia was doubting it. They would come up like you're called, and it, uh, there was a couple of particular ones that specifically called out apostolic ministry. Were very detailed about things that were in my heart that really confirmed to Lydia, okay, this is true. And, um, and so that ended up being the, uh, the kind of the beginning of the journey of me actually believing it. Yeah. Through that, then I would try stuff. You know, we all, we do, we go through our insecurities. Right. Then we swing the pendulum the other way. I'm just going to go for it then. And, and I get Israel a lot because some days I'm really hot for God and doing it right. Other days right. I'm complaining, take me back to, yeah. take me back to Egypt. And, um, and in that, in that process, we, we began to discover God's being faithful to serve in the ordinary okay, that's became key. the pathway to seeing God use us in larger or okay. extraordinary things. Okay, that's a key leadership principle. Go ahead and unpack that a bit. That's key. Unpack that. So if God tells you, hey, you're called to be an apostle, that you go through multiple stages. And it could be a prophet. It could be, I don't care what your thing is. It's just right. whatever you're called right. to be. But, you know, in my mind, okay, and I don't think this now, but in my mind, the apostle was the top of the food right, chain. Right. I am going to be an apostle. Right. I've earned nothing. I've no reason why God should use me this way. <laughs> but now, now I'm getting, I'm seeing miracles happen. I'm starting to walk in pride is what's happening. As pride begins to fill my mind, I wouldn't stoop to like other people are, are setting up chairs, willing to serve and whatever, clean a restroom before a meeting hold some kids and pray for them. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Put me on the ministry team. That's where I shine. You know, right, kind of right. And I, I uh, as Lydia and I were going through that journey and God taking me on my own journey with that, we ended up, this is how we came. I was in Texas. Right. And uh, we, Lydia's parents had moved up here and Lydia's dad's health. We, I came up here thinking we we're going to go to another Bible college. We didn't. So we stopped in here on the way. Ended up staying because I was kind of a, a, a gypsy lifestyle. would go anywhere the Lord <laughs> wanted to back then. And um, Lydia's dad started attending a Mennonite church, which didn't fit his whole history. Right. It was a, he called them dynamite Mennonites. He wow. found some that believed in the Holy Spirit wow. in the southern end of Lancaster County. There's a man named Ray Dieter who was the uh, yeah, knew, pastor. And yeah. the Ray, so Ray, when we, when we started out at Livingstones, I went there the first time in my pride. And I would think, look at these people thinking, these people just need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, and I had a moment, I wouldn't even go to church. You know those guys, because maybe you were never one, but I was that guy. I was the guy that always bangs up on the institutional church or the larger church or whatever. Right. So I was happy to meet in small groups where I was recognized. It was right. really the motivation. Right. And you know, some of you people in some of the smaller stuff, I house churches and all that, I really do. But get to your motivations. Right. Why is that? Right. You know, and so I wanted to be recognized. That was a real, real issue. So I'm at home, I'm praying and I'm like, I was literally praying. It's amazing what God puts up with. But I'm literally praying, God, these people just need to get filled with the Spirit. And I, I imagine heaven's laughing because you're so filled with the Spirit. <laughs> and I heard, and I, uh, I was happened to be reading in Revelation that morning uh, in chapter 1, verse 10. It says, I, your brother John, a companion in the tribulation, was on the isle, which is called Patmos, on the Lord's Day. And I heard a voice behind me saying, and literally the whole book of Revelation follows. And I hear the Holy Spirit interrupt that. I'm literally reading that. I heard the Holy Spirit just interrupt me and say, have you ever heard my voice like that? Wow. Like the whole book of Revelation. Yeah. No, Lord. He said, do you think if John looked at you today, he might think you need to get filled with the Spirit? <laughs> Hung my head low. I was like, yes, Lord. And he's like, and I said, it, he says, you both want something more that you don't know how to get. Yeah. What if you took whatever you have and served them with it without complaint? Beautiful. And, and uh, you share with them what I've already given you, and maybe I'll give you both more. Mm. And that was, so I didn't figure that whole lesson out. We, I still had problems. I caused a... Uh, I caused 
I didn't cause a church split, but I caused a lot of people to leave. I caused issues. I leave back for Texas for three and a half years, and I'm a mess on the inside. I don't think I'm a mess, though. And I meet a man named Brad Weir, who, uh, who is one of the owners of Weir's Furniture, an amazing disciple of the Lord going after God. And Brad was the first person in my life to really go after my issues. Wow. Fearlessly and lovingly. And uh, I was... I was in a, he helped me, I'm going to fast forward on that, but the real most important part of it was he got me involved in leading small groups, just saying, mm-hmm. hey, why don't you, if, I was still complaining about churches, including the new one I was yeah. in. And he said, how about you just make it work in your corner and let yeah. them see it and they'll ask you questions there if it's working. There you go. And so he gave me The Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. Yeah, Everybody great, should read that. Part, yeah, I, I really helped my heart in understanding authority. A little while later, we were at a home, uh, like a life group, a, sure. like a cell group leader training. Right. And while we were in that training, a guy brought out Gary Greenwald's book. And one of the books, one of the things was in this book that we were studying as cell group leaders was eight signs or like 10 signs you have an Absalom spirit. And I was like eight out of the 10. Oh my. I was like, oh my word. And so I, I felt so bad. I was deeply convicted. I wrote the leaders at Livingstones at the Mennonite church. Yeah. A letter explaining all the evil, bad things I ever said about them and did <laughs> thinking I was never coming back. Uh-huh. And then God, after three and a half years, they write me a letter back, forgiving me, understood. But then I come back because I felt like God calls me back here. This time I felt like he called me. And this is really important. I felt like he called me back to look at Lancaster County. What, what really was happening was a Texan was judging another state and another city and another people group through the lens of a Texan mm. who grew up in a particular area of Texas. I grew up. We all speak English, but our culture is different. Yeah. And so we're both judging each other. Because I don't fit in the culture, which they had the predominant, so I probably it's probably on me to change, not them. And the Lord said, well, I want you to, to go back here this time, and I want you to come as, as a missionary mm-hmm. to the culture. Have the mindset of missionary where you study the culture, you don't judge it. You learn to bring the gospel and make it that connectable so inside good. that culture. Yeah. And it made a huge difference in, obviously, when I came back. So Ray Dieter is ready for me when I return. He, we have a meeting scheduled. He wants to know, why are you here? <laughs> and I said, Ray, I understand. He's thinking you again, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, round two. I don't know about that. He said, uh, why are you here? I said, Ray... Look, I know the old Jimmy you saw. I'm not that guy. I, yeah. I, I, that's three and a half years ago. A lot happened to me in that time period. One is Beautiful. I'm here to serve your your vision, not not to Beautiful. try to get something across for myself. I felt like God sent me up here to start a prayer ministry. What if I just started a little prayer meeting? And he's like, wow, I've been praying, asking God to send me somebody to start a prayer ministry. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, would you trust me to do that? And then the other elders didn't trust me. It was an ugly scene. because So I lived under the microscope for, sure. for multiple years. But I served at that church for about nine years. Wow. Uh, and it really helped me understand the culture. I did help them grow in original intent to, sure. in spiritual things. It became a hyper-prophetic church. I teach a class, or I used to teach a class called Exploring the Prophetic. It was mm-hmm. actually developed yeah. in the Mennonite church. That's interesting. You should tell people we're Mennecostal. So, uh, <laughs> but we, but through that process, I learned, uh, Lydia and I served in every tier and sphere of ministry, from kids' ministry to whatever. And honestly, I had no idea what it would prepare me for today. So you don't right. start out as, right. I'm the apostle. Right. You start, that looks like starting out as, how can I help you? Right. How can I serve you? Would you like me to greet people at the door? Right. Can I help somebody find right. a seat? Hey, uh, you know, you need me to help do some lay counseling because yeah. you got a situation and your your plate's full, pastor yeah. so-and-so. And it started with us learning to serve and understand the power of, of, of self-discovery. At Lifeway, we say it this way, we, God wants you to know Christ, experience connection. In this part, discover purpose and impact lives. Well, Purpose discovery, that does not a, a take a test and you discover right, purpose. Right, right. 
it's it's the convergence idea of right. you live a life of different things that seem unimportant, and then suddenly yeah. that aha moment happens, okay. and you're like, okay, I was made for this, and you yeah. begin to step out and do that. A key leadership principle that you said, I want you just to talk a little more about, is you said the way you find your call, your ministry, that which God's preparing you for, is by serving another man, another woman's vision, another person's vision. Now, that is so critical for leadership. Because, I mean, I remember well when I pastored, I had many former pastors who come to the church I was pastoring, and they say, hey, we come to help you. We want to serve you. We're going to serve here, and God's going to call us there, and he called us to be used of God. And I said, well, we need help with the chairs. He said, oh, no, I'm not talking about that. I remember one specific pastor. No, no, I'm talking about helping to preach. You know, you know what I mean? And But it didn't really come to serve. And others would come and say, I'll come. I mean, guys, a lot more anointed than I've been. Been through all kind of Bible college I wasn't through. Come and say, we're just coming to serve. We'll open up our house for a home group. We'll simply greet at the door. You know, we'll simply... Yeah, do whatever, set up chairs, do whatever. And they're the ones I saw God then later use powerfully. Talk a little bit more about that serving another person's vision. Well, I mean, Jesus is the one who said, if if you're not faithful with that which is another man's, why would yeah. God trust you with that which Very is good. your own? That was a Bible verse I lived to ignore for a long time <laughs> that I finally had to humble myself and say, you know what? Um, the author of all the earth gets it. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is yes. God in the flesh, yes. and he comes, and he comes as a servant of all and gives his life as a ransom for many. Uh, there's not much more I need to understand right. Right. About, about servanthood than that. The other thing is, whether we know it or not, we have a tendency to think, if I, if I say you need to be generous, most people think in terms of money. Right. But generosity really isn't that. Generosity is something that's done outside of us toward others with no benefit toward ourself. That's the true beginning of generosity. If, if there's a hook, mm-hmm. if there's a benefit for me, mm-hmm. if, there's an, if, I am a, if, if, I, if I hold that in awareness instead of just mm-hmm. the, the love of God and the need to serve others right. as the, God, God could call David I mean, David, David's in a field. David's out worshiping. Is right. Samuel the prophet, the most important man in the nation, is right. coming over for dinner, and dad can't find a hired hand right. to take right. care of the, the sheep? Right. No, he puts his, his son that's so unimportant. Right. I have so many sons, which would have been a massive blessing that Jesse had. What do you have, eight, ten? He had a bunch yeah. of sons. I think it was eight. And David's the eighth son who's sitting in a field. He was a God worshiper and is unimportant to the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. He's not even getting invited in to dinner. Samuel the prophet comes over and does what he does at dinner time, and and he's about to sit down to dinner, and he's looking for, and he, he thinks, oh, yeah, this his oldest brother, that's the Lord's anointed. Right. Lord's right. I don't see as a man sees, I see a man's heart. Man, if we would park right there for, like, the rest yeah. of the day, God sees a man's heart. He yes. doesn't see our performance. Right. He sees our heart. Yeah. He doesn't see He doesn't see your height and stature. Are you good looking? Are you an excellent communicator? Do you got a voice right. that sounds like butter? You know, right. I, I don't have any of those things, and I don't know that David did. Right. But Samuel the prophet, God made sure that the one whose heart is seeking him and is faithful to him, who lives to do the will of God, will be found if he has to send a prophet to call him out of a field. Yeah. And so, so many, when I was young, I was trying to get, see, yeah. those online can't see me waving my hands, but like, see me, see me. Yeah. And I'm trying to yeah. say, pick me, God, you know. And right. God's like, I will yeah. when, you do, when you follow the spirit of my son right. and come in the heart of a servant. And like, what's the point of having a, a like, let me just say it this way. When church planters want to go plant churches, and it maybe even when you've got business, people want to start businesses, because I've done both. Yep. The mindset, if you're a business person, you just want to make money. 
Right. I mean, at the most selfish, basic level, self-centered, maybe not selfish, self-centered, basic level, you want to make money. At church, when I wanted to plant a church, I just wanted to preach. I wanted to teach. I wanted to do ministry. But what's missing in both those context is why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, one's as selfish as the other if it's done with the wrong motivation, obviously. So those are both the what. I, I want to make money. I want to preach. But why? Right. And so when you move to uh, to understanding, what really matters is, you know, Chick-fil-A is crushing right. the the uh, uh, fast food industry and they're closed on Sunday and yet their profits are significantly amazing, higher than any other competitor by a long shot. There's no one even close right. in the ball field. And, and Truett Cathy and those guys, they had the mindset of, hey, we're in the people business. Right. We serve people, and we happen to do that through the chicken sandwich. Right. And and I began to study, actually, the business world, the ones that were doing it well, Ritz-Carlton, man, right. they're legendary oh, yeah. in their service. And I began to look at these things and say, well, what happened if we just had the mindset in ministry? I'm not going to be outdone by the world right. in serving others. So if we would just make it about serving others, that's our, like, why are you doing this? Because I want to impact their life for eternity. Yeah. Okay. Now, what are you doing? to do that. And and so a lot of people get they get stuck or, or they're still in self-discovery and it, like I found while all the years that I was trying to make it a, to discovering me how do I how do I get what are my gifts whatever somewhere I had an epiphany my calling is to help other people discover theirs. And when I do that when I help people discover their destiny, their gifts, their talents in it I'm fulfilling my own. I honestly think that's probably most of our calling. Mm-hmm. Like you're looking at developing me, and I'm looking at developing right. someone else, and That's they're right. looking at someone's it developing is. you. And it's amazing how that gets us out of ourselves, yeah. and it makes just a, makes for a better world to begin with. It makes for better everything, in my opinion. Well, it's true spiritual fathering and true spiritual mothering. That's what that is. Because true parents naturally, I mean, good parents always want to point to their kids and see them go further ahead than they could ever go. And the same thing is true spiritually, whether it's in the business world, whether it's in the church world, whether it's in the community world, whatever. You've got so much inside you, and I want to, I want to pull more. You have all these gems reminding today, uh, and we didn't even get to when you planted the church. I want to have you back. And we're going to talk more about that. We talk more about convergence. And but see stories behind the stories that make all the difference in the future. If people want to know more about Lifeway Church, uh, they can go online. Yeah, lifewaychurch.life. If they want to do that, we have, you know, like, like many churches, you have a bunch of sure. uh, uh, our, our messages are online. I would say this uh, about Lifeway. If anyone needs um, uh, people to minister and speak, not me. Right. I have amazing teachers i have amazing i uh, i have some i have some amazing sure. female teachers and, and male teachers and they do just uh, a phenomenal job of communicating and if i could put them out in the world to make the sure. world a better place their messages are great. powerful so great when i appreciate so much you taking your time to be with me today and we and really i want you back on this podcast we want to talk more about the actual church planning and some things you've learned about leadership in that whole process so mm-hmm. Uh, for all those who joined us today, if you want to know more about Lifeway or, and even some of the notes, some of the things we talked about today, look on the show notes. And so glad you joined us today as we have these conversations on leadership, learning these basic biblical truths on leadership that will help us get to the place God's called us to get for his kingdom to grow around the world. So thank you for joining me today and look forward to having you with us and more conversations real soon. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.